1: It is, in fact, the week and the game that we have been waiting for. Of course, it is Christmas week. And I know that little children everywhere have been waiting for this. Heck, big kids everywhere have been waiting for Christmas. But I think any 12 out there will tell you that Sunday's game against the Rams is the one that they have been eyeing for an awfully long time. Jen Mueller and John Boyle with you as we get you ready for that game. And, John, about how long have you been looking forward to this Seahawks rematch
0: I mean it's been pretty evident for a while that these two teams had kind of risen above in the division and it was probably going to come down to this game so yeah I mean obviously the players and the coaches have to focus on the task at hand every week but does no harm for us to look ahead yeah it's it's been coming for a few weeks now that we could tell the division could very well come down to week 16 and it's this is as fun as it can get
1: Well, and before we jump into the matchups, I just want to say this. I am so glad that we do not tape this on Mondays, the day after games. Because I don't think that I would be so kind or charitable or in the holiday spirit if I had to do this on Monday, John. Because the only thing I wanted to tell people who were unhappy with the Seahawks win on Sunday (laughs) is go start a gratitude journal, people. Like, go find something to be grateful for every day because clearly you cannot be grateful for a win.
0: Yeah, it's... Look, I get it. Fans want to see their team do well and win in big fashion. But, I mean take a look at what happens to other teams in this league year after year, the ups and downs, or just the consistent downs. There's teams that haven't had the playoffs forever. You've got a team that just clinched its eighth playoff berth in the last nine years, the ninth in the last 11. They win. They've had winning seasons nine straight years. This doesn't happen in the NFL. I don't know if maybe people are a little skewed by what new England did and that crazy run and think if you're a good team, you win the super bowl every other year, but that's so far out there from the norm and what the CX are doing is incredible and should be appreciated even if they only win by five on the road against a pretty darn good team
1: okay so there's two things about that one the game plan I'll get to that in just a second but to the point that you just made just look at the division the 49ers are not going to make the playoffs this year they were in the Super Bowl last year the Rams weren't in contention last year coming off of their Super Bowl run. And yet the Seahawks have consistently done that. I I do think it's important to put that into perspective and look, I'm not, I'm not rooting for other teams to fail as much as I root for the Seahawks to win, right? There's a difference in cheering for your team versus against another team. But when that happens, I do like to point it out that the consistency of the Seahawks is unusual even, and especially in the division.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've seen it over the last decade. The Seahawks have always been one of the contenders in the division, and it's always them against somebody else, but that somebody else has changed. It's kind of gone through this cycle of it was the Niners back in the Harbaugh days, and then it was Arizona, and then it was the Rams, and then it was the Niners, and now it's the Rams. The one constant over the last decade plus has been the Seahawks are always at or near the top. And yeah, look, it's okay to be critical and want your team to do a little better. It's okay to say, hey, I didn't like those touchdowns I gave up. But the just sheer negativity and anger just baffles me.
1: Well, and also I I want people to understand this. Being satisfied with a win and being happy that they got a win in the, in the locker room does not mean that players and coaches do not recognize an opportunity to get better. Right. Exactly. You can be happy for the final score and recognize that there are still things that need to be worked on. You're not going to hear the players talk about that immediately after the game. So let's be real, people, about what's happening in meetings this week, what's happening in practices, and what the team knows their standards are and where they've missed them. I I think that sometimes people take excitement over a win or a playoff berth as the team just saying, Yep, that's all we needed to do. We are just fine. way we are. And John, that's not what happens in a locker room.
0: I feel like we started this saying good thing we didn't do it Monday. Cause we'd lecture everybody. And here we are five minutes into lecturing fans. Look, I get it. Uh, it wasn't a perfect win. You had a chance to blow that team out and you didn't. So I, I do understand a little frustration, but I just keep going back to appreciate what this team is doing and that they're back in the playoffs and with this defense getting better they've got a lot more of a legitimate chance to make a run in the playoffs. So I think we can, you know, take it easy on the fans. It's Christmas, but uh, let's appreciate what we have, too.
1: Okay, so here's what happens, John. <laughs> I got so irritated on Monday that I just turned off the conversation. I, no surprise, am an extrovert, and I process when I talk. And here's the thing, I haven't really talked through this with anybody yet. So in some ways, you're my therapist today. So just-
0: I gotta start now- charging more for this then. <laughs>
1: That's off my chest. How about if we look at some of the X's and O's? And I promise this isn't going to be a lecture, but this is just part of the context, right? So when we look at what the Seahawks did against the Washington football team, Russ, 121 passing yards. That is the lowest total of the season. Fourth lowest total of his career. Did not have a completion of longer than 15 yards. The flip side of that is... The running attack was really good with 181, and this is most important, that was the game plan. And remember, this is exactly what we were saying against the Giants. Why didn't the Seahawks have this game plan? Why weren't they executing? I think what we learned Sunday is that they can adapt and they can have this kind of game plan.
0: Exactly. And the most important stat might be the fact that Russell Wilson wasn't sacked in that game against a great pass rush, maybe the best in the league in terms of depth and just all the different guys that can get it done. And they look, they said, they went into that game saying, we don't need to score 40 points. We don't need to light it up. We need to keep that team's biggest strength, which is that pass rush from wrecking the game, from forcing turnovers, from sa- getting a bunch of sacks. And they did exactly that. They, that Montez sweat made a great play to break up a pass and turned it into an interception. Other than that, the offense did almost exactly what they want to do, which was just keep it clean and keep it safe. And that was more than enough to win with the way this defense is playing.
1: Well, and the 315 yards a game that Washington was giving up, all of the numbers evened out to be on average for what that Washington defense was allowing And the Seahawks still came out with a win on the other side. So I think that's important to mention as is this, it has now been back-to-back games where Russell Wilson has not been sacked. It is the first time that has happened in his career. Did that surprise you as much as it surprised me, or maybe I just never stopped to think about it.
0: A little bit. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of those where you think he's usually gets sacked a lot. Some of that over the years has been the protection. Some has been his style of play of extending plays. So uh, you know, I guess I would have thought maybe there was a stretch in there like in 2015 when that offense was humming like it was that they would have made it two games. But it did surprise me a little. I mean, if you told me, if you gave me the number nine, which is how many games total he's had without getting sacked, then I would have believed it hasn't happened back to back. But yeah, it's it's a heck of an accomplishment. And it does show to your point, they they've been showing the ability to adjust board these last couple of weeks.
1: Well, and you mentioned that 2015 team. This year's team is 10 points away from tying that 2015 squad for the third most points in franchise history. There is a chance that they could end up being the all time leading scorers in franchise history, depending on how many touchdowns you can put up in the next couple of weeks, which brings us to truly the matchup. And because the Seahawks clinched a playoff berth last week, they can lock up a division title this week, but you know, Pete Carroll, that is not what they're thinking about.
2: This week is what all of that's all about. You know, it's, it's to get to this point uh, being a championship opportunity continue to to pose each game that we play as a championship opportunity so we're practicing that mentality so that when we get here we do exactly that again and so hopefully, um, you know, all of the lessons stick, and we, we carry on. We're gonna, you know, take it as we do. It's a opportunity for a great day today, and then just one day at a time. Put the put the prep together, and uh, go through a, a football game out here as we're closing out. You know, we have we have finished well in our seasons. You know, and, and we've we've finished with a lot of a lot of good wins at the end of the year.
0: And that's exactly the point Pete is always trying to make to this team. When you hear a player or Pete Carroll say in week three that every game is a championship opportunity, it may sound a little corny, but here's why they do that. One, that game in week three or that game against the winless jets can be the difference. If you blow a game, then you can, that can cost you everything down the road. It's just as important in the standings as this game in week 16 and two if you're not letting yourself kind of coast through those early games, you're also not letting yourself get hyped up overhyped and trying too hard and getting all out of whack. You want the team to go into every game, pretty much the same mentality, the same approach. And that's where this all stems from. So when it truly is a championship opportunity, when you can win your division on Sunday, guys aren't going to let it be too much.
1: Well, and there's a little bit more emotion on Sunday's game because you know what the Rams just did against the Jets, right? The Jets get their first win of the year. It is one of the biggest upsets that we have seen this season. And the sound coming out of L.A.'s locker room is exactly what you would expect. Guys saying after that game, we're sick to our stomachs. We need to get better. This is a terrible feeling. So you got to think the Rams are a little bit more amped up. The Seahawks cannot fall into that emotion. And the Seahawks also look really different than the last time they played this Rams team. It was a close game, and you can't help but wonder what would have happened if you would have had your starting running backs. In fact, you know, Pete Carroll says, yeah, this, this team looks different.
2: Well, we, we certainly balanced out what we're, what we're, you know, our attack and what we're trying to do. And, and uh, we just kind of we just kind of went in, in, in got an offshoot direction, you know, for a bit. We, we didn't mean to, but we did. But we feel very confident that we're back. So we're, you know, we're hoping that uh, uh, we can continue really pleased that we've been able to run the ball last couple weeks. And it's necessary for us to really feel our our style of play. And and, uh, so it's good to have it. It's a good feeling.
0: The last time these teams played the Seahawks, it wasn't just they didn't have Chris Carson. They didn't have Chris Carson or Carlos Hyde. Rashad Penny obviously wasn't back yet. So you're talking your top three running backs are all going to be on the field this week. None of them were available. Alex Collins, who's currently on your practice squad and who had just joined the team this time when they or when they played earlier this year, he was a leading rusher in that game in terms of carries. He had 11 carries. So yeah, it's totally different just day and night what they can throw at him in the running game. And the CX are coming off back-to-back really strong running performances.
1: Well, and you didn't have Ethan Posick the last time either. He was out with a concussion. So Kyle Fuller started at center. And if you flipped it over to defense, Shaq Griffin didn't play. And Jamal Adams was playing with essentially one arm. He was hurt early in that game. And you could tell that it affected his ability to tackle. Now, the Rams' defense... They're good. It feels like for the last couple of weeks, we've talked about really good defenses, but where does this Rams defense excel? Maybe in ways that the Washington football team did not.
0: Well, as Pete Carroll said, this might be the best defense they face all year. And I think it's just the completeness of it. I mean, we obviously, you start with Aaron Donald. He's, you know, maybe the best defensive player in the last, I don't know, two decades. He's just an incredible player. And then you've got, Guys on the back end who get it done, and we, you know, we always talk about Jalen Ramsey, but then they've got other guys making plays. <laughs> We're getting interrupted by small children. Uh, I mean, they've just got playmakers at every level, and they're they're dangerous. They're good against the run. They can take the ball away. Pass rush is great. It's, there's just so many ways they can hurt you.
1: Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are the two pro bowlers. This Rams defense statistically is in fact the best in the league. Fewest yards allowed per game. Fewest passing yards per game. In fact, they have not allowed a 300-yard passer this season. They have held two opponents to under a hundred net yards passing. That would be Miami and the Washington football team. What can you predict about the Seahawks game plan, just knowing the adjustments they've been able to make and what we expect the Rams would do this week?
0: I would think you see a similar approach to last week. You might look at it as you've got to be a little more aggressive because I think this Rams offense is more dangerous and you might not be able to rely on winning with 20 points. But I think, you know, similar, you got to get the ball out quick. You've got to get that running game going. I I think we could see a really heavy dose of the running game. You know, this Rams run defense is really good. They're only allowing 3.8 yards to carry. However, you know, there aren't a lot of teams that can throw at a a defense what the Seahawks can with all three of these running backs. So I think balance and I think, you know, be judicial with your deep shots that they might have to take some, but I think we're going to see a lot of quick passing game again.
1: Well, and when you talk about not being able to win scoring 20 points, that is about the average that this Rams defense is allowing. Here's what else we know about the Rams defense. They look different than in years past and Pete Carroll explain what that actually means. They
2: have a different package of defense entirely and it's a different style with some of the obvious features, you know, are are similar and that, you know, Aaron Donald's still playing on the guard and he's he's rushing as much as he can and they're trying to feature putting him in the right spots and moving him around. They do all of that in great fashion, but it's just a different... Formula of defense and different concept uh, coverage-wise and front-wise, and uh, they're they're just they look really good. Everybody fits the, the format of what they need them to do. Uh, I really think Leonard Floyd has been a, a real great addition for them in his style of play. Um, so they they have a really good active group, run real well, and it starts up front, and they've got a they've got a great you know a great place to build from.
1: Well, in fact, Leonard Floyd. Was the guy who wrecked the Seahawks last time? It wasn't Aaron Donald. For as much as we talk about him, John, the the Seahawks were able to negate him a little bit. Uh, They could not account for Floyd.
0: Well, and that's exactly kind of what I was going to earlier. The the weapons they have of you do a pretty good job against Aaron Donald, and Leonard, Leonard Floyd gets three sacks. You do a good. You don't really go too much after Jalen Ramsey, who's their All-Pro guy, and then you know their their number two quarter supposedly Troy Hill, who's a really good player as well. He gets two interceptions on you, so it's just they've got a lot of what really good players all over that defense. And you can't just say, take this one guy away and we can really move the ball on them. They're they're good all over and great. Now
1: flip side of this is Jared Goff and that Rams offense has been really up and down. And I was reading this week, the criticism in LA of Goff is that in the last couple of years, when games mean more, he has not been able to come through as he should be expected to as a franchise quarterback, Bobby Wagner was talking about kind of the runs that they have, the boots and how they match up a run with a boot. And so you really have to study, but with a healthier Seahawks defense, and remember Carlos Dunlap was playing in what his second game during this last matchup, how much more confidence do you have that they can disrupt golf in that offense?
0: I, I mean, we've seen this pass rush really come alive and actually I need to correct myself on the last point. It was Darius Williams who had the two picks. I had the wrong guy looking at their depth chart. So let's give Darius Williams the credit he deserves had the two picks and the nice pass breakup in the end zone. So anyway, pass rush. Yes. Is much improved and it really kind of got going around the time this last Rams game, but you're right. Jamal Adams was playing banged up in that game. He still had two sacks, but he's a better player. Now they're getting Dunlap more involved. And we've really seen Dunlap become a factor helping everyone else so yeah I think you know they're gonna find ways to get creative and get after Jared Goff because they do a really good job of getting the ball out of his hands quickly but the numbers are pretty overwhelming no quarterback likes pressure but Jared Goff in particular is a guy whose numbers are pretty drastic with or without pressure so that to me is one of the keys for this defense is make him uncomfortable
1: well but he also has not been sacked very often often this year just 20 sacks compared to Russell's 41 so that offensive line is doing a pretty good job keeping the pass rush at bay
0: yeah no it's again they they have a great pass protection unit you know they scheme it well Sean McVay knows how to get the ball out of his hands and keep it pretty balanced with the running game so yeah it's getting to him is a tough task but I think you got to find a way even if you're not sacking him hit him make him uncomfortable make him make some bad decisions
1: and I would be remiss if we did not touch on one more huge talking point before wrapping this up today. We have yet to say congratulations to our pro bowlers. And for guys like Bobby Wagner, I know for guys like Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson, this is old hat, but for guys like Quandre Diggs and Tyler Ott and Nick Ballore, this is a first time thing. And Pete Carroll wants to shout out certainly what Ballore has meant to the team.
2: He's had a big role because he's such a smart football player and such a savvy guy and and uh, and a tough dude and all of that. He has been a leader in that in, in the group of our special team stuff since the day he walked on. We we really wanted him to come for, for those reasons. He's just blossomed as a great factor for us. He's playing the best he's played. We've seen him in years. Been the most active and uh, just been the biggest factor. He's always been a real positive and a plus in helping. Kind of uh, you know the. What the game's all about, and, and you know what we what special teams are, are, are all about for young players. and all. he's just been a huge factor for us. So it's just great recognition for a hard working dude that uh, has earned every of it every step of the way by being a tough guy and smart guy and, and uh, being a great competitor.
0: I mean, it's so fitting that two special teamers made it because you could have put all four of those guys on there. Dixon's having an even better year than his all-pro year as a rookie. Jason Myers hasn't missed a field goal all year, set the team record, made a 61-yarder. But it's good they're still represented because that has been, as Pete Carroll said, the most consistent good thing this team has done this year. We've seen the offense be fantastic and have a few goals. We've seen the defense go from struggling early in the year to playing – great now but throughout special teams has made a big difference and you gotta love a guy like Belore, who you know journeyman career he was a linebacker before he moved to fullback he's bounced around to multiple teams been in the league since 2011 and now he gets this honor of being a pro bowler and well-deserved one of the best special teamers in the league so always cool for guys like that to, to get that reward after a long career
1: it certainly is. Congratulations to all of those guys. Of course, no actual Pro Bowl game this year. That will be a virtual uh, event using Madden, I believe. I believe yes? that is correct. I don't play Madden, but I'm sure that I will be tuning in to see whatever's happening there. Join us each Thursday from noon to two for the huddle hosted by Jake and Stacy, along with Seahawks color analyst Dave Wyman. It's your chance to hear directly from Seahawks players as they prepare for Sunday and preview the game ahead with the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel and our very own John Boyle, who will now give us the two things he needs to see on Sunday for the Seahawks to come away with a win.
0: On offense, I want to see the Seahawks take care of the ball. They were a little sloppy with the ball last time around, turned it over multiple times, and that was a huge factor in the game. Look, we've seen it all year long. When the Seahawks take care of the ball, they win games. One or fewer turnover, they're undefeated. Multiple turnovers, they're 0-4. So that's really simple Simple to say, not simple to do against a great Rams defense, but take care of the football. I think you can survive you know, a great defense if you don't give them extra possessions. Other side of the ball, like we just talked about, get after Jared Goff. I want to see three or more sacks. I want to see him hit maybe six or so times. More would be great. But yeah, just make him uncomfortable. Maybe get some of those turnovers.
1: I literally wrote down three sacks of Jared Goff which is what the defense had last time. That's when things started to turn around for the defense. And I think he might be a little bit more skittish coming off of that Jets loss last week. On offense, I'd like to see DK have more than two catches. He was targeted just four times. I know Jalen Ramsey is the Pro Bowl corner, but I'd like to see DK get a little bit more involved because we know how much of a game changer he can be. I like it. That's what we got for you this week. We hope that you are having a very happy holiday season, and we hope the Seahawks make that a little bit sweeter on Sunday as they go up against the Rams with that division title on the line. We'll be back next week to break down what we saw in that game and, of course, give you more things to watch. Thanks for listening.